who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Oh, Tony, baby, you're a mess. Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin. <laughs> extremely online, extremely clueless, horny for Bitcoin. Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American tornado and the real princess of Wales. We are back. Molly McAleer and Tiffany Maddox. Welcome back, everyone, to Trend Lightly. It's me, Tiffany Scott Maddox, and with me, as always, my wonderful co-host, the gorgeous Molly McAleer. Hi, Moles. Hi, honey. What's up? You know, just living. Just living my life. Saw a tweet this week that said something like, if a white person tells you, if you ask a white person how it's going and they say it's going best believe that that person is like one slight inconvenience from winding up in a fucking mental hospital. <laughs> correct. Correct. Yes. And I think that's how I've, that, I think that's how I'm, I'm feeling right now where I'm like, it's going, it's going, you know? it's been a stressful, it's been a stressful month. And then, yeah, now I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to trend out with you, dog. Let us trend together. Oh, you know, this isn't trending at all, but uh, Billy and I watched the se- – like we re-watched, I should say, season one of True Detective this weekend. And, man, I forgot how – I mean, not that I forgot how good it was, but it is so good. Woody Harrelson's really doing a lot of Woody Harrelsoning. Matthew McConaughey is the star of the McConaissance. Like it's just so good. And it made me incredibly happy. And then it made me sad that it was over. You know, I never watched that one. And it's my rebellious nature to not participate in a movement normally. I would Mm. say Succession is one of my few 
exceptions to that rule. I don't really like to do what the other people are doing. And then time passes and the moment just completely passes me by. And I never watch something like True Detective. So this is the that's like the OG season that made everyone obsessed, right? Yeah. And I would say it never, it never reached the heights that it had. Like we were trying to compare because we finished watching the most recent series of True Detective, which is had Jodie Foster in it, set in Alaska. There's a whole bunch of indigenous actresses in it. And in theory, I it had everything that I that I would have loved. And I did really enjoy watching it whilst I was watching it. But when we'd finished it, I was like, huh, we, you know, I haven't seen season one of True Detective, which remains in my top three pieces of television ever made. And it's just season one. And I was like, maybe we should watch it again. And I think watching it immediately after watching Night Country was like, I mean, literally night and day because <laughs> night country is during the sort of the bleakness of the of the 24 hour like darkness. It is the most dense. It's like such packed storytelling, like visually it's really stunning. I think the acting's really great. And we were talking about how there's not a single wasted frame or word in the first season. Like everything is compelling or like bringing you in. I think it's kind of a masterclass. And I would say like night country is is like really good really really good television and season one of true detective is like exceptional television it's like I feel like it should be taught as a way of being able to take you on a journey do a character study and like get you really deep and rich into into a place and and just keep you continuously feeling unnerved unsettled and like guessing it's yeah it's phenomenal I'm sad that it's over I want to erase it and watch it again I hate that feeling of like, oh, now my life's over. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, that sounds a lot like Pretty Little Liars. That's how I feel I talk about Pretty Little Liars, <laughs> which is that it just truly is the best show. But yeah, I, I hate that feeling of like, oh, it's behind me. Now what? Mm -hmm. You know, I'll never be able to get back my innocence of when I, I think The Sinner was a show I felt that way about because I, was going to recap it slowly over the course of weeks with Nicole, but then I, for our Patreon, and then I just wound up being like, I'm really sorry, but I need to watch this whole season tonight. Mm -hmm. And then like once <laughs> I was like, there's just no turning back. Like Jessica Biel is, wow, where has she been? Mm -hmm. And the answer is playing second fiddle to the world's most obnoxious <laughs> slug with a bow tie and glasses. Isn't that what is what he feels like? He feels like a slug, like a cartoon slug with a dumb smile yes. and a bow tie. I love that. But yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's such a specific feeling that there should be a German word for it. And I would be surprised if there's not. Mm. I'm doing a little bit of TV watching. Tell which me. Which is huge. So... Have you, you'll know, this is from your country, I believe, is The Traitors. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I think it originated here. And I started watching the second season, it's the US season, and there's a bunch of housewives on it, like Phaedra, Sheree, like Tam, I don't know a lot of the, Tamra, and then I think they brought in like Kate from Below Deck, but there's quite mm -hmm. a few housewives on it. And Sheree, yeah. with Sheree being on it, I just love it because there was someone that she, there's a character named Janelle. There's a woman named Janelle who's from Survivor. And 
they never got to cut to Sheree voting this person out, but it became very obvious that she was about to vote for her because she said, the person I voted for is, and I want to be like, say it. Shrey, because <laughs> I'm going to be so satisfied by the sound of you saying the name Janelle, because she has the best voice of any housewife. Like her inflections are incredible. Like I knew it was going to be Janelle. Like she has a little like, like sort of like click in her mouth or something that she she speaks with that's so satisfying like mm. that just the way that she words come out of Sheree's mouth is like so satisfying to me and that's been really fun to watch but I, I'm like dying to know I'm dying to know who's gonna be the traitor <laughs> not sorry not the traitor I'm dying to know who's if the traitors or the faithfuls are going to win I'm sort of excited to see people like CT and Trishelle from the old MTV challenges. I'm excited to. It's just great. Like, it's just been something that's been clear, like kind of clearing the cobwebs of my mind. I was having like tons of panic attacks on Friday and it was something that I could watch throughout those panic attacks in a way that was very. That and smoking cigarettes really got me through Friday. Good old cigarettes sakes. are great for a panic attack. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You have to breathe. Yeah, yeah. I've had some of my best cigarettes during a panic attack. And you, you know, you know intellectually you just need to breathe, but there's something about the cigarette that forces you into the act of breathing. I don't think I'm a big breather to begin with. <laughs> I think I hold my breath most of the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was just, it was, it was there for me. It held my hand. And that night, Eric had sort of not lied to me, but he had been deceptive in a fantastic way about how far we were into curb. And I didn't realize that the, there was a whole season left before, before like we even this new season came out. I thought we just had a couple episodes left. So we have a whole season that I've never seen. And <gasps> what a treat. I was fucking laughing my ass off. Do you, do you watch it? I do. I would say I, I watch it very sporadically though. Like Billy's the curb head in this household. So there's this episode and it's called like little woman, small, like tall man or small problem or something like it's uh, something about where Larry basically the entire <laughs> episode discriminates against people <laughs> who are working for him. So he like it starts off with him being afraid to give his luggage to the driver that's been assigned to him like Jeff has a driver that's like a man of average size and like he's not he's not on like feeling uncomfortable giving his suitcases to him but Larry has this woman who is a like it might as well be Ariana Grande except add on 25 years you know what I mean like it was just a woman that as a man as, for me as a person I would not feel comfortable handing a woman of this size luggage, right? So mm -hmm. it's sort of a perfect intro, <laughs> intro into this idea of him discriminating against anyone that's providing services to him. And <laughs> he, the next one is that a roofer comes to the house and... <laughs> 
<laughs> the man is is a much larger man. Like he's, you know, he's probably, you know, 350, something like that. But of course, Larry turns it into, I don't want this guy up on my roof. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, but he has to let him up on the roof. He needs to get his roof fixed. So he and Leon are in the kitchen and he's basically being like... <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'm not fucking crazy right like that's like a big guy like that's that's like a, that's something we, you know I gotta be I gotta be worried about and Leon goes that man is FAT positive and I fucking <laughs> I literally it was a thing where I just have I kept having to be like first of all pause the TV and I laughed for so fucking long I laughed for so long and then I had to be like you know got past the first like 10-15 minutes of me just blacked out doubled over laughing because anything that Leon says is just he's the first person to say a joke really he really is to me and then <laughs> like throughout the rest of the episode I kept having to be like wait a minute like I'm not done laughing at that delivery <laughs> and that whole fucking exchange. I actually just put the clip in the doc. If you want to see the clip, we can play it because it's just one line and it almost doesn't hold up when it's just the one line, but it's so like, you need to know this thing. <laughs> There's something as cruel as that joke had me. That's like, great. That's great. Something. For a fairly cruel joke, I'm going to be honest with you. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> the delivery is exceptional. I don't know. That motherfucker's FAT positive. So I have another thing. We talked last week about how we're not going to reward the men we know by laughing at really bad jokes. Yeah, yeah. And there was one that I ignored when Eric first said it. And then he brought it up again, and I think I lost. I like I lost my mind. I finally succumbed to it not being just funny, but it's so. I asked permission to repeat this, and he said that he just wants people to know. Well, I'll explain that later. So Eric has names for his thighs. Okay, and. The left thigh is Adrian. Uh, of course. And the, the right thigh is Dantley. Okay. And it's because he's been doing a lot of squats and he thinks he now has Adrian Dantley thighs, who is a former NBA player <laughs> that like probably played like when I was a small child, but Eric's so proud of his game. And I said, like, I can't, I said, like, the first time he said it, I just was like, I don't even want you to finish. Like, I don't want to know anymore. Like, he, when he said my, when he's pointed to one of his legs and said that I call this leg Adrian, I said, stop. Like, I don't want to know where, where the fuck the rest of this is going. Cause like, just, it was, it's ridiculous. And then, you know, then he intrusively continued that the other one was Dantley. And I was just so grossed out. That I was like, like, I was like, I don't ever want to hear something like that again. Stop it. Whatever that is, you have to stop. And then finally, 
on Friday, he told me, you know, he said the Adrian and Dantley thing again. <laughs> and I said to him, like, it's gross to me. I need you to stop. Please don't ever say that again. <laughs> Please don't ever say that again. And he and then it finally hit me that he's so insane that it it's really funny. Like it's so in, it's so insane that he's so proud of his gains that he's named his thighs after a basketball player from probably the 90s. Yeah. And is like in, like this is his point of his point of pride in life. And then when <laughs> he once he, you know, he realizes he has me on board with Adrian Dantley, he goes on to tell me, and this is just a tip. I thought this was a really nice life tip. So apparently he is much older now and he's in retirement, has been, and he was at the gym one day, bitching on one of the guys. Oh, my health insurance is like $2,500 a month because he's paying out of pocket. And I assumed that that was because of CTE. And then Eric corrected me and said it's basketball. So probably not CTE. But I want to throw it out there. There will be a CTE basketball player. What does that mean? Like uh, football players, they get CTE. Oh, that's. Do you know what CTE is? Oh. It's like what makes. Like Chris Benoit, the wrestler, oh, like, killed family like multiple concussions parents. and yeah, okay, got it. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's like a brain damage thing that can only be diagnosed in death. Yeah, like I had a CTE expert on Mother May I Sleep a podcast for a Law and Order SVU episode about <gasps> a football player that had CTE. Did he kill his gay was, lover? No, honey. It's like he was sleeping with underage sex workers and, um. I mean, it. can I just fast forward to the end? He winds up shooting himself in the head on the steps of the court. That's annoying because then they can't do a post-mortem and find out if he had it or not. Oh, they'll probably get in there. <laughs> they can probably get in there. I mean, apparently CTE is like once they're in there, they got it. But she also said that like quite clearly without the ability to diagnose quite clearly one of the most likely living examples of cte we've ever seen as a country is oj's brain oh damn because it's the impulse control it's the violence it's like the getting arrested for fucking sports memorabilia of it all like mm -hmm. the guy just has sawed off impulse control and a penchant for doing things that are objectively bad. Right. You know, there is, so, yeah. there is another episode of Law and Order where there's a guy who kills his lover and he's a football player and, or he thinks he kills his lover, but he didn't kill his lover, but because he has so much like memory loss and he has, he's like prone to fits of rage. That's one of the theories as to why he did it, but it turns out he didn't do it, but he thought he did it, but he couldn't remember if he did it or not. That feels loosely based on Boston's own Aaron Hernandez, who oh, there was yeah. a great documentary made about him. I know his fiance, who he was engaged to when he died in prison, he killed himself in prison because he'd been arrested for murders and stuff like that. But one of the things that they had, they had, sort of put out there were floating about him was that he was bisexual and <gasps> oh. had like a former lover that 
sort of came out. It was really, it's really an interesting documentary and coincidentally produced by one of my college friend's roommates, who I would also consider a friend. I was literally shocked to see his little face on the TV when I watched that documentary. But yeah, so Adrian Dantley, (laughs) this is what Eric told me. This is what I, I thought would be useful to some listeners. Since he was paying for health insurance out of pocket, someone at the gym said, you should get a city job, like just get a job with the city and you'll get full benefits and everything. So for a few hours each day, Adrian Dantley takes those monster thighs out onto the street (laughs) and he works as a school crossing guard. (gasps) Wow. That's such a, that's an interesting fact. I, I was like, that's so sweet. Like, first of all, that's just so sweet. Like, how cool is it, by the way, that if growing up your crossing guard is a former NBA player who happens to have incredibly inspirational thighs? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like how, I mean, how smart is that? That to just, I think I should go be a crossing guard. I pay a lot of money for health insurance. Maybe you should. Maybe I, we all should. Yeah, I think I it's say we. God I'd be yeah. proud to have. Okay, should we get into the news? Yeah. Let's talk about the news. So what's going on with Charlie XCX? I did see a clip of, because we're going to talk about Julia Fox in a minute, but I saw a clip of Julia Fox performing a single at Charlie XCX's boiler room. And the speakers, I don't, like the video recording was basically Julia Fox like gyrating towards the camera, which I adored, but the sound was like, and I was like oh that's that's a shame and then someone in the comments was like no that's what it sounded like (laughs) it wasn't like a mic malfunction (laughs) so I guess this is what I'm just putting together and my angle on it was a little different because I'm one of my other pop culture princesses is involved in this story but I guess Charlie XCX does like a DJ night or she was doing a DJ night at the Boiler Room, which is a gay club in New York City, sort of known for a place where you'd go and maybe do a bunch of Molly and like be up very late, just having a really fun time. Mm-hmm. And Julia was there. I'm going to guess that she went later. That's one thing I'd like to believe mm-hmm. is that maybe she went later in the the night and the speakers had blown out for some other reason that wasn't sad but Addison Ray was there and there was this video there's a couple videos that are linked in the show notes where you can see her quote-unquote performing I mean really she's just singing this song along with Charlie XCX but she's getting her fucking life (laughs) and she very recently, I don't know if Thanksgiving is still number one on Netflix, but the week before last Thanksgiving was the biggest movie on Netflix. And, you know, people are going absolutely mental over her single that I desperately wanted her to release for, I think, probably a year and a half before she finally did, which is To Die For. And she just, she's off her, you know, she's off her shit. Like, she's clearly rolling and having the best night of her life allegedly I don't know I mean I'm not I'm not in her body but I'm gonna say the inappropriate thing that I say sometimes with young pop girls like this I wish I was her mother 
<laughs> like I wish that I got to, I wish I was Sherry and I got to be like, wow, my daughter is so adored. She not like, not only turned, you know, she just the small thing, just this like TikTok fame. She went with it. She used it. And now she has completely transcended into being ex- like respected within the industry and making music with a really interesting group of people. Like she's just grown to me to become such an interesting person. And it really, I like, I, I just like, she's my, she's my princess. I've said this for a while now, but I'm also really glad that I've never been negative about her. Yeah. You know what I mean? When like, there's someone that like pops up in pop culture, much like Julia and people decide to just sort of write them off or act like they're not real. Like, the ire that people have for the Demilios is also not fair. But what Addison Ray, I mean, the Demilios have the same 24 hours in a day as Addison Ray does. And <laughs> she's just fucking killing it. Like this, she's so like free and having fun in this video. And her song's a fucking bop. And I just, yeah, I was just thrilled for her. Is, is Addison Ray the one with the bad daddy? Yeah. You know, a lot of pop girlies got bad dads. They do. It bodes well. And her parents, well, her parents are in that weird position that I think a lot of TikTok parents of kids who are young, like, wind up in. Where, like, the D'Amelios, they were taking their 15-year-old daughter, Charlie, to L.A. so that she could pursue these opportunities that have ultimately left her set for life. But, like, it's weird. That like Heidi and Mark are around. Mm-hmm. And then with Addison, like she was a little bit older when it all happened for her, but her whole family moved out and she has little siblings and stuff like that. And Addison's, I don't think, okay. So Addison was the first child that her mom and her father had, but they broke up when, like, I think maybe when Sherry was pregnant. And so Addison's the only one who has the last name Easterling, which is her mother's maiden name. And then her dad, and I know this isn't right, but I want to say his name is Mario Lopez. Mm-hmm. But I know that's not right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like begins with an M. I forget what it is. But he, he, they got back together and then they had a bunch more kids. So Addison, things were really picking up for her, but she was 19. It makes sense that her family would want to move out to – LA to sort of oversee what was going on with the hype house and everything else. And they, you know, Sherry, I think is fine, but they really got wrapped up in the Hollywood machine. Like her, it was a little Lohan parents-esque the way that like Sherry yes. was on the red carpet at the VMAs with Young Gravy and her, the dad was like dating girls Addison's age that kind of looked like her. Yeah, gross. Monty Lopez. Monty Lopez, yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just like, I I like that she seems to be clean, happy, professional, but also having fun like this. And this episode is sponsored by Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted and dietitian approved 
Pop your factor meal in the micro for just two minutes and it's ready to go. No prep, no mess, no dishes to scrub. Factor's flexible when it comes to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need and pause or reschedule it at any time. Each week, you can choose from over 35 meal options, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. I've been doing the keto meals because they don't include wheat. And even though I've never been a keto head before, I have to say that the meals are so filling. Normally, I'm still a little hungry after dinner, but after a factor dinner, I've been completely satisfied all the way up until bed. Not to mention that it's a lot cheaper than ordering deliveries several days a week because I'm starving and didn't plan my grocery shopping better. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good after a long day. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash trend50 and use code trend50 to get 50% off. That's code trend50 at factormeals.com slash trend50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Isn't going, she just really fucking knew how to use it, you know? She just really knew how to play the game, and she's played it well, and I'm just happy for her. Good for her. There has to be a star amongst all these people, you know? Yeah. And she really is it. <laughs> but I don't know what's going on with Julia. I did see, though, this week that she is set as a female lead in a, in a horror movie, Goat, from producer Jordan Peele. 
So that's exciting. Yeah, I haven't seen her do any acting for a while. I'm quite excited. I do I do enjoy her. Yeah, she's I thought she was really great in Uncut Gems. I didn't watch it until I had already been obsessed with her for a little, so maybe that that uh skewed my view, but I really enjoyed her in that. This movie, according to Deadline, the project is based on a pitch by Zach Ackers and Skip Bronke. It centers on a promising young athlete who is invited to train with the team's retiring star. So I'd love to know how that... I mean, it's got to be a CTE horror film, to which I say, we're overdue. I think we might be. I mean, here's the thing. I don't very much enjoy... Jordan Peele's work maybe that's a controversial statement I I really want to enjoy it like I I enjoy elements of it but I'm not on the whole like I don't know it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't take my boxes doesn't like press my buttons there's bits of stuff that I really enjoy there's bits of get out that I think are just masterful and there's bits that I just cannot like about like I just think why did you make that choice this was going really well. So I don't like stan him in a way that some people do. Um, but I do think that the work he is producing is really interesting. And so like, despite it not being something that makes me like really excited, I do think it's really excellent that it exists. Cause it seems to be kind of just, I don't know. He's just, he's doing something. He's doing something interesting. I think it's, I think he's doing something really interesting. It doesn't like personally resonate, but he's doing something interesting and I think he should be able to do more of it. So I'm interested to see what this is. And you're right. I think we are overdue a sort of like traumatic brain injury, uh, sports-based horror. I mean, who knows if that's what it is. I do think it's interesting. It's based on a pitch. Like they're like, we'll buy your idea, but you're not right because to be based on a pitch is interesting yeah right yeah so they're like you've got the idea you're just not going to be the one writing it right you know but i always look at things like that like i really loved get out i have not seen nope but i heard it wasn't as well received as the first two as get out and us but Candyman, unfortunately i cannot watch because I've never been more scared by a movie in my entire life Mm -hmm. than Candyman. Mm -hmm. Like it truly, maybe um, The Strangers or something where Liv Tyler finds herself living out in a cabin in the woods. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I went on a meeting to the the place that made that. I think it's Blumhouse. And at the end of my meeting, I sort of like enter a room. I'm not an observant person. I sit down. At the end of my meeting, I stand up and I turn around and it's the masks from oh God. <laughs> that movie. And I literally like was like, ah! and <laughs> I said to the guy, I was like, this is crazy. I was like, how do you look at these all day? I was like, this is like, I was really like thrown because to see the real things in real life was just shocking. I watched that movie in the middle of the day. Oh, it's horrible. It was, I texted my friend Ed and I was, he was the one who told me to watch it. And I kept being like, what is wrong with you? Like, why would you tell me to watch this? But you have to finish it to know that where things end or it's just, you're, you know, you have to count on the movie ending, Mm -hmm. but it's certainly no purge. But when it comes to stuff like certain types of movies or maybe not vibing with a filmmaker or whatever else, generally speaking, not even referring to Jordan Peele. 
I look at it and I just say, maybe that's not for me. Yeah, exactly. And like, maybe it's yeah. great, but it's just not for me. I really dislike the movies of Christopher Nolan, like very acutely. Like like the Oppenheimer dude? Yeah, all of, I I really dislike them. I dislike his choices as a filmmaker. I, yeah, I, I can't abide it. I've seen all of them, <laughs> apart from Oppenheimer, because I've decided to stop torturing myself, but that like something doesn't click for me. And that's the same thing with, with Jordan Peele. Like I, like I really want to be like all aboard, but like something doesn't quite resonate enough. That said, I think Get Out is, is really excellent. Yeah. I, uh, I really loved Get Out. It was great. It was a great movie. Yeah. And one that I think I saw in a timely enough fashion that I got to enjoy. Well, as much as you can call it enjoyment, enjoy the reveal at the end of the movie. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I still think the serial metaphor is both too obvious and also very complex. Like, I'm not sure I ever really understood the eating the fruit loop separately than the milk. <laughs> I mean, like, as an idea, I do, mm -hmm. but it just wasn't. People always talk about that. And I'm like, that feels like the obvious thing. Like, why are you, why is this the most brilliant part of the movie? Right, right. I don't know. Just my thoughts. But yeah, good for Julia Fox and good for Addison Rae and good for Charlie XCX for bringing everyone together. Mm. And I need to know what's going on with this who the fuck did I marry thing. Right. So full disclosure, I have not watched all 52 parts of this TikTok saga that is taking the internet by storm. The parts average, I think, nine to 10 minutes each, and there are 52 of them. So do the math. It's about eight and a half hours worth of content. Okay. The creator, Risa Mtisa, is a very compelling narrator. I find her to be, I find her to be really interesting she tells the story incredibly well. I can see why so many people, I mean, at this point, probably hundreds of millions of views. I think the first video alone has 34 million views and there are 52 parts. And a lot of them have, you know, there's there's a few that are just under a million, but for the most part, they are, you know, millions and millions, you know, for each part. But yes, I, I, I personally... Couldn't make it through eight and a half hours, but, and I'm hoping that some other people also are really curious to see what happened, but maybe don't have eight and a half hours to spare. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe there's hopefully someone even who's going to do the, let me save eight and a half hours of your life and I'll tell you in three parts what happened. Exactly. And I think like, I think she does deserve, she definitely deserves a, a view and a look just so you can get an idea of, of this woman. I think the, the other thing that's a bit annoying for me is that like the format would be difficult to consume like a, as a long form piece because you're on TikTok and so you'd have to scroll, you know, sequentially each time. But it has something, it has the feeling of an audiobook narration. I became aware of the story when I saw some people making making stitches and making funny little sketches where they were like, this woman comes in and starts quizzing her husband and asking him for a social security number. And I was like, what's that about? Um, and then I kind of did a little bit of a search and then I found the story. So there are people are saying that they're essentially watching this at work. There's lots and lots of videos of people watching this series as they're kind of mixing cocktails or in the nail bar and the hairdressers. I saw a really cute clip of this hair salon where it was, it was playing on the TV and all of the women were getting their hair done 
watching it, which I thought was extremely cute. But uh, Reese Antisa is very compelling. She's very warm. There's a lot of extraneous details, so I'll try and boil it down as much as possible. But the story, Who the Fuck Did I Marry, is essentially about Reese finding this guy online, marrying him, and essentially finding out that everything that came out of his mouth was a lie. So here is my... um. Here is my quick summary. So in March of 2020, this is a really interesting time, as we'll all remember, Risa matched with this man on two different platforms. So she matched with him on Facebook dating and on Hinge. Um, he had his full name on one and his nickname and different photos on another, which is already a bit red flaggy. She refers to this man by the name Legion, as in like the biblical man who was possessed by demons. So she uses that name about you know throughout there is a link to a man who could be legion on tiktok who's who's popped up but we'll get to that in a bit so they match on hinge they match on facebook dating and they start chatting and they have this phone call and he tells her that he's just moved to georgia which is where she lives and he's got a job as a regional manager at a major condiment company she didn't say what the brand name was and that Whilst he was based there, this brand had, had planned to cover his housing. He tells her that he grew up in Philadelphia. He played football for San Diego State. He was living in the West Coast. And after graduated, he married a woman who had two children already. He said that this woman had cheated on him. They got divorced, but he remains close to his stepchildren. And he says to Risa that he played arena football um, and that <laughs> during his off seasons, he worked uh, as an IT guy at Apple. So like we've got condiments, football, and just like casually working at the Apple store. So they're getting along quite well and they decide, you know, they're going to meet up and go on a first date. He asks her what her favorite restaurant is. She says Cheesecake Factory. She's on her way there. And once she's driving, her tire blows out and she, you know, she calls him to let him know. And he meets her at a gas station. He changes her tire. He helps her buy another one. And then they go to the Cheesecake Factory and they have a date. Um, and they talk, they talk more about his life and his football career and his ex-wife. And they're getting along really, really well. So they keep chatting over the next couple of weeks, but it's March of 2020 and of course COVID is happening. So as Georgia goes into lockdown, they decided that they were going to live together um, and they were going to move in to Reese's three bedroom house. And he said, and he then started covering rent and utilities. Interesting. Okay. So they're like, so wait, they're moving into the guy's house. No, into Reese's house. Oh, re okay. Sorry. Yeah. Lisa. Okay. Sorry. So he moves in with her and starts giving her money for rent and utilities. And then they're essentially locked down together. And we all know what those sort of COVID lockdown relationships look like. I remember it was like a whole thing of people who had been casually dating, deciding to move in during lockdown. And it was like make or break for a lot of couples, that sort of like immediate yes. sense of intimacy. I feel like I like I feel like most of the people I know who did that it wound up working out at least so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like like I have friends that have are marrying that person or already married that person that they just sort of they met on Hinge and it went like great five times. Mm. And then we're like, okay, we should we should uh live together. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think it like, you know, it forced people to have a, like an accelerated pathway into a relationship. It was like, oh yeah, I've been on a few dates with you. Let's see what it's like for us to live together and not only live together, 
but live together and and have to be stuck together for the foreseeable future. Yeah, but like it, to to one thing that I think I should say about it working out in my world, just to not make everyone I know sound like a lunatic, is that at my age, most people know what they're looking for pretty much. Uh And so they were people that were like, this is working out. We probably already want this for our lives. We both have this common goal. Let's just, it it wasn't so haphazard, but you know, anyway, Mm. sorry. So they'd been living together at uh, Reese's house during the lockdown and things were going really, really well. So they started looking at potentially a, a sort of house hunting together. Legion had told her that he invested his arena football earnings really well. And he showed her a letter from Chase that it had approved him for a 750k mortgage. And throughout their relationship, he said that he had two Chase accounts. He had a US bank account, which she never saw. And he said that he had an offshore account that she also never saw. So this is lockdown. So there's, you know, people aren't going out and seeing each other very much. So they're having FaceTime tours with a realtor. They found a house and... Legion told her that he'd put in the offer and they were going to do a virtual closing in June. When the realtor called Risa asking what they thought of the house, he told her that he made an offer through a different realtor who was a friend of his. When she saw the house go into a contract on realtor.com, she assumed it was her own contract, like, oh, we've got the house, great. And so they went shopping for furniture and appliances. Legion says that he put down deposits for the furniture in front of her, but this inspection to know to actually move into this house that they'd found just kept getting postponed. And I think it's really easy to dismiss that, especially or you know, given that it's you know April of 2020, so we're like thick oh, in the pandemic. Totally. Yeah. And if you're even in a slight place of just like wanting to make it work, like that's not. You know, if she didn't, if she was kind of 50 50 on the guy, or even if it was just like two sort of new friends, yeah, I just, if I probably want to make it work so bad that I'd overlook all these other things as well. Yeah. And it was a, it was just such a weird time that everything took so much longer and it was harder to get people, you know, it was harder to get stuff done. It was harder to get things moving from like an administrative capacity because a lot of those centralized offices where people would work from, suddenly everybody was working from home and there were backlogs and people were off. And, you know, if you were buying a house and it was taking taking quite a while to kind of get there and put in an inspection in person, I don't think it would raise that many red flags because you'd be like, well, I mean, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Everything's crazy right now. Of course, it's taking longer. Sure. Then in May, there's still this back and forth with the with the realtor. Uh, Risa finds out that she's pregnant. And then in early June, the house is taken off the market, though they had never closed. So Risa contacted the real estate agent listed for the seller who informed her it had gone to a different couple. So she was pregnant. She was excited about marrying him. She was like, you know what? This has just fallen through. Legion told her that it was something to do with the interest rate. And she was like, okay, if the interest rate isn't good, we should just let the house go. So the house never materializes. And she's like, oh, that's, you know, that sucks. It's gone to somebody else. That's, you know, whatever. It's fine. But like, were they just like holding like a fucking bedroom set in their garage? Like where, like, where were they keeping this furniture they got? I think it was in the house. Yeah. Although I don't know if they ever got the furniture delivered. She says that she saw him put down deposits or what she thought was him putting down deposits, but maybe it was never delivered because there was never a gotcha. final location. But it does further yeah. the like feeling of like, oh, we're doing this thing. We're buying this thing. Okay. No worries, honey. I'll come back and 
I'll, you know, I've put down a deposit. I'll come back and sort it out when we've got the moving date, you know, shit like that. Like easy to dismiss yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, I would like, I don't know where this is going. I sense I do, <laughs> but because someone, uh, someone on Twitter, Jane Marie, uh, she said something to the extent of like, I hope that people who are watching this, who the fuck did I marry thing are also reading that shoebox or something like that where she was correlating the two. Mm. So I know that that people are probably calling her stupid for falling for this. But this is this doesn't touch the shoebox. Just so no, you know. not this even close. It's a lot of logic. Yeah. Um, so then he says that he wants to buy, he wants to buy a car and he wants to buy her a car. And he said he wanted to buy Reese for a car with the money from his, uh, offshore account. And so she had her heart set on a dark blue BMW X5 with cognac interiors. And at one point they go to the BMW dealership and they spend hours there while he arranges a wire transfer over the phone only to find out the person who could physically put the transport through had gone home for the day. So Risa then spent another day at home waiting for an Audi that was supposed to be delivered, but it never came. And she says, I believe he enjoyed watching me test drive a car and get excited about knowing I was not going to get it. So more kind of setting her up by you know, telling her he's going to buy her things and give her things, and then these things just don't ever materialize. Mm-hmm. So this is this is happening in May. So mid June, Risa unfortunately has a miscarriage and she ends up needing a DNC surgery. Legion says that he was up for a big promotion at work around about this time and he couldn't bring her to the procedure because of a business meeting. Do you mind just because I'm slow and I want to? If I have the question, maybe other people too. What's a DNC surgery? It's basically a, a surgery to remove the contents and, and lining of a uterus. So it would a DNC would be something you'd have a, during a sort of abortion or after mm, a miscarriage. That's horrible. Yeah, it's horrifying. And she was on her own. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she'd already miscarried. Then she had to go and, and basically have this procedure and she had to do it alone. But he said he was having a business meeting. A couple of months pass and it's now the fall of 2020. And she is under the impression that he is the VP of this company. But he's wearing T-shirts to work. And he said that's just because he's walking along the production floor. They try and buy several more houses, but all of the purchases fell through. Um, one of which involved Legion vis- visibly signing a large cash bid and then getting into a stalemate with the sellers when they had asked for proof of funds. Their real estate agent, Scott, told the couple he couldn't work with them until he showed his agency proof of funds. So he's still not producing any real documents to say that he has any money. So despite all of this, early 2021, Risa and Legion get married. And they agree that they're going to pause the house hunts and the car hunts um, and just get married in January. By the end of the month, Risa said, I kind of knew I was in trouble because Legion started making bizarre claims like that the neighbor was hitting on him. Odd. The female neighbor? The yeah, male neighbor. the female neighbor. Okay. And what does that mean? Like he's upset because the neighbors, I don't understand why. Is this a complaint he has? Yeah, he's complaining about it. <laughs> like, oh, she, like she thinks I'm so hot. I know. Like, she's really, she's like, she wants to suck my dick. It's so annoying. I love the idea of that being a problem. I mean, like, it's one thing if she's leering at him and like, <laughs> you know, like there's definitely a world in which that's a, a valid complaint, especially like for chicks. If a, if a dude's looking at you creepy like that, that's terrifying. Mm. 
So, but, you know, not all women. Hashtag not all women. <laughs> or it's like, he's like, every time I'm getting changed, I see this, like, I see this woman in the window just like leering at me. She's like, she's always there. And it turns out it's just like a dressmaker's mannequin that's like propped up in the spare room. Shut the fuck up. I just made that up. <laughs> oh, oh, I was like, oh. Dude, I am obsessed. Thank you. That was such a like <laughs> got me. <laughs> April Fools okay. fucking got you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's April, it's early April Fools month on Trend Lightly. So, okay, wait. So, okay. So, he's he's upset cuz he's getting hit on. Yes, he's married to Risa at this point. She's starting to see more and more red flags. And like bearing in mind, he's also having these long conversations with his family and long conversations with his ex-wife and his stepchildren, which we later find out was not happening. He was having a one-sided conversation. Like he would just put the phone to his ear and have like a long fake conversation with himself. That's iconic. It's so funny. It's so bizarre. He was having like business conversations where there was nobody on the other end of the phone. So they'd be married a couple of months and by April, Risa finds some Facebook messages of him flirting and sexting with other women. And they decide, mm. you know, we need to go to couples counseling. So they go to couples counseling with a pastor and his wife and the pastor tells them, <laughs> and the pastor's real for this, that the marriage, it's probably not even going to last a year incredible scenes. Now they get this news. The pastor doesn't think they're going to make it. They don't look into separation, but at this point they go into another round of house hunting with a realtor named Amber. Risa quickly made the executive call to bow out when Amber asked for proof of funds as part of a standard pre-approval process. So like she knows that he's not going to be able to prove that he has the money. And so they end up having to back out. So this is when things start to really heat up. So like we're out of we're out of lockdowns now by this point. COVID is still a thing, but it's it's not the kind of early days of the pandemic where everybody was very confused. There was a lot more sort of ease and a bit more leeway with stuff. Like I think the scales are starting to fall from Reese's eyes. So um <clears throat> Towards the end of April, Risa says that she started looking for another job and she wants to get a higher salary and she wants to pay off her car without the help of Legion. And one of the potential employers says that you have to fill out a background check and that has questions about her spouse. And when Legion puts in a social security number, she says that she noticed that it looked different from the one listed on their marriage license. So she decides that she's going to run her own background check on this new number. There was no California addresses that showed up. She couldn't find any San Diego state football rosters with his name listed. And when she called the school, they had no records of his social security number. So she's like, what the fuck? She confronts him about this sort of mystery side of things. And he tells her that his father had paid for him to be a private citizen, which means that the school doesn't record his name or social security number. Um, and then he tells Risa that his stepdaughter had died of COVID and he wanted to send his wife two grand for the funeral. So things are starting to heat up. Next month, Risa does a background check with a different company and she's able to dig up some open records about him. She found out that he had married and divorced in the state of Georgia, so not San Diego. His ex-wife had been the one to file, even though he says that he had filed and because she cheated on him. So it was his ex-wife who'd filed and he was served documents at the grocery store where he worked. She called the ex-wife 
because the number was listed on the documents. And the ex-wife tells her that Legion is a master manipulator and warned her, whatever he tells you is a lie. Based on what she said, she and her children don't communicate with Legion at all. They had always lived in Georgia. Their daughter was alive and well. And on top of this, this wasn't the first call she'd gotten from a new girlfriend. Uh, Legion's previous ex had also been in touch. Mm. So... Risa starts seeing these, all of these little things are starting to stack up and this sort of like dirty little web. And she decides, and I think very, very wisely, not to confront him in this moment about this until she's dug up a little bit more. Sure. You're like, you know, I'm totally down with that because when she sort of tried to press him in the past, he's been, he's explained things away or he's been very evasive and... He's a, he's a slippery character. So she's like, do you know what? I'm going to fucking keep this to myself and I'm going to make sure I've got everything all tied up before I, before I confront him. So she does more digging. She finds family obituaries for relatives that he claimed died during their relationship, but they had actually passed away over a decade earlier. So the, these family members were dead, but they hadn't died that in that year. She found that he had two brothers that he had talked about, uh, but he'd also claimed to have two sisters and two half-brothers, but none of whom she could find. One obituary named an entirely different wife, leading her to track down divorce records from a first marriage that had ended in 2016. And one day when he was sleeping, she went through what she thought was his old work phone and found text messages with a sex worker named Peaches, uh, whose services he had clearly used multiple times. Risa told the pastor that had been counseling them, I have no idea who this man is. So on June 17th, which is Legion's birthday, Legion, Risa decides that this is the perfect moment to confront him. <laughs> they'd, they'd been sleeping. I, I mean, in, go, you go, girl. I know. Like, <laughs> Twist the knife. <laughs> what a time to do it. They'd been sleeping in I separate can't. bedrooms because he had a, a mysterious knee injury and he was um, on the verge of being bedridden by this point. She confronts him and uh, eventually he calls an aunt who says that she'll send him some money so he can leave the house and come back to Philadelphia. Risa has her locks changed. She throws out all of his belongings and she gets her divorce documents in order. She's like, I'm done with this man. That's fine. Now, whilst he was back in Philadelphia, the digging continues and more intel starts flooding in. So Risa got a message from one of his cousins who was suspicious of the story that he was telling his family. He had told his family that his wife had cheated on him with a policeman who kicked him out of the house with his gun and they were suspicious of it because they knew he was lying all the time. The cousin also told her that more family members who, according to Legion, so who'd suddenly died of COVID in the past year had actually been dead for a really long time. She manages to get on the phone with Legion's older brother, Chris, who she thought she'd heard Legion talking to on the phone every morning. Chris, it turns out, hadn't spoken to his brother since 2015. So he was having fake conversations with Chris. The third oh, brother. This is good. It's so juicy. <laughs> this is good. Like I love, like, yep, keep going. The third brother, which is Legion's twin, was also not in frequent contact and happened to have a life a lot like the one that Legion was attempting to create for himself. He actually is a company VP. He does drive a luxury car. He's married and he lives in a four bedroom house in Nashville. So essentially Legion is is cosplaying as his twin brother. A few weeks later, a woman Risa believed to be his aunt was just an, it was actually just an old friend of his mother's called asking about their baby. Oh. 
the aunt was under the impression that their son had arrived in January. Oh, no. During this time, Risa says she also went through uh, his old work phone that was really just a second personal phone that he was loading with prepaid minutes. She found deleted images he'd shown her of his bank accounts, company car, former house in San Diego. And then she did a reverse image search. She fucking Max and Neve catfished it and found out that they were all just pictures he'd downloaded from the internet. Mm. So, so he goes silent for a few weeks and then he decides, you know what, this is a good time for me to pop back up and start harassing Risa. So he says he's legally allowed to come back to her house. He wanted to get his things. They have a lot of back and forth with law enforcement. And she discovers that, yes, he can legally come back, but there was also a warrant out for his arrest for violating probation and she could have him detained whenever he came back. So the day he said he was returning, she drove back from work to find his car in her driveway, drove past the house, called the police, who came to arrest him, as promised, for violating his probation. She she moved in in August 2021, right about the time Legion was released from jail. Um, and she didn't hear from him until December 2021 when he contacted her job and family members trying to find her. The last communication happened that month. She texted him threatening to get a restraining order if he didn't stop contacting her and says she hasn't heard from him since. The end. I I mean, I feel like this is This feels real. Like, this feels... There's something about this. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This that just feels very real mm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I can I just see I can see how people fall for this all the time yeah you know this one it makes total sense it's so I mean yeah like there she just she also handled it really well yeah I think so too like really really well like once she realized she was in the situation she was I mean who knew who could know how dangerous this person was, you know? Mm. I'm glad she got out alive. Yeah, fucking right. I, I wonder what his end game was, other than to just be, like, a scrub. I think he was, like, straight up homeless. Yeah. Like, I think he straight up was, like, what do they call it when a guy moves in? Oh, well, like, is it, like, a hobosexual or something? Oh, is yes, like yes. When guys just, like, need a place to stay, so all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, like, I'll be exactly the man you need me to be. Mm-hmm. But, like, low-key, they're just, like, a fuck boy that she's paying for everything. And, yeah. I saw a meme. Someone said, like, whenever you see a guy, like, this is the broke, this is, like, the broke guy or the homosexual pose. And it, like, showed guys at checkout counters with their girlfriends where she's in front and he's hugging her from behind and like they're always like sort of hanging over them Mm -hmm. and it's like oh my god that is so real because like that's the best he can give Mm -hmm. because he's living off this person so there is an account that's popped up that seems to be pretty credibly 
legion. Some people, you know, some internet sleuths did a little bit of digging and managed to put some information together and I think found legion. And there is a man whose name is Jerome, who's been posting a bunch of stuff on TikTok he the the posts are a little mad i'm not going to lie they're very biblical and they're giving oh i don't know they they're giving sort of like religious delusion this is quite Whoa, interesting okay. so he starts he posts a thing that says requirements in a female and it's a screenshot of like the notes app and it reads uh, not lazy good cook cares for the man is a woman of her word Knows her place as a woman in God's kingdom. Big booty, not a liar. Breath don't stink in the morning. Don't need to buy Tums for her heartburn. Healthy cholesterol. Won't kill my baby. Won't eat junk food with my baby in the womb. How fucked is that? Oh my God. That is so sick. Mm Mm-hmm. He's also like dumb because like if that's the most you can get away with, like if that's really your notes on the situation based off of what's being said about you, you're a dumb motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Do you want to, if you got the screenshots open with the messages between them, do you want to be Risa or Legion? <laughs> I'll be the one that has to read less because you're a better reader. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then you be Risa. Okay, so this is a screenshot, um, a series of screenshots that he posted that uh, is in, I'm guessing, the TikTok app. Yeah, it's in the TikTok app. We see Risa Tisa and then the app and then the, it's at that point she has 2 million followers. It looks pretty legit. And judging by the quality of the other posts, I don't know if this man is capable of faking a screenshot properly. So he DMs her and he says, tell these people of your lies, Risa, now. You need to leave me alone. This is getting out of hand. You is my wife. You need to make this work for the sake of our angel baby, love and the Bible. You are going to hell for divorce. Jerome, I'm going to say this calmly. Leave me the fuck alone or I will be contacting the authorities. Tell the tell them people you lied. Tell them people you done lied on me. What is wrong with you? Repent, Satan. Admit. Stop deflecting your lies onto me. Delete your account. You ain't gonna stop the word. This is propaganda. They send in you money, stepping, stopping a black brother's truth. But as she says, tooth. This is the system. You gone sell out like that on a brother B? But goodbye, Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> this is about the quality of exchange that I am expecting. My favorite thing is that, like, I guess he this posted is just this. So sad because he thought like, it would make him look good. It does not. <laughs> It does not make him look good. And also, like, I feel like he wasn't ever a much better typer Mm-mm. than that. And so it is sad to see that she seems to be pretty, at least clear-minded enough to have <laughs> proper punctuation and be clear and everything else. This this person's ridiculous. How did she ever deal with this? I know. It's fully insane. It's like he's fully masked off. He's posted a bunch of stuff about gang stalkers. Like he feels like he's being watched. Like how did you find out who I am? It's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of uh, of wild stuff here. A very not normal response from Jerome. Yeah. I mean, it's bizarro. We should make Jerome t-shirts. <laughs> that just say Jerome. 
Yeah, we can like find a picture of him that's uh, fair use. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it just says goodbye, Jerome. Goodbye, Jerome. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think we need that. I, I mean, God, this is so crazy. I'm, it's great that it's captivated people's attention like this too. Like how – I mean, how fun is that? But also what a service for her to spend eight hours – recapping all this. I know. Do you know what I feel like this would be really ripe for? A proper like investigative, like new style documentary pod, like a six part, like with clips from Jerome's friends and family, the ex-wife, like the whole nine. I would die for that. Like it's like, yes, no, exactly. I know exactly what you mean, the vibe and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I I think it needs to happen. Yeah, we'll call it his name was Legion. We'll just do mm. sit down and have like a deep dive conversation with Risa Tisa and then just like get a shitload of people on the phone. Very Chicago Chicago Public Radio. <laughs> this American <Yes>. Life. <laughs> this is exactly this is this feels like this American life. Doesn't, doesn't it? it? It does. It has like a vibe of like this would be a great story on this American life. Yes, like that was mentioned in the shoebox story about the woman who who's who, kept getting defrauded and she found out it was her boyfriend who was like taking out credit cards in her name and destroying her credit and like he was living with her the whole time and he was doing it to her it's like you know the story is you know the story is is interesting but it is not so shocking that like it feels unbelievable like it feels like yeah it's it's like it's super believable you know there's no like major like peak points where you just have like an oh fuck moment it's like a steady realization that slow realization that a person you've trusted has been lying to you the whole time it doesn't have that sort of like explosive quality to it but it has so much intrigue because of that because and of its it, normalcy yeah. and it's so much more relatable than like catfish like with catfish you get a little bit of the freak factor Mm. and like there were like him yes like she ignored a lot of signs one would say but like he was in person like he was doing this in person wasn't someone that she couldn't get facetime with i mean which again leads me to believe that this man simply needed a home yeah i think so too which is wow i mean like what a like thank god she's came out with this as like the ending of it like you know i would never say like like just i'm glad she doesn't you know it was probably best that she doesn't have a child yeah yeah agreed ladies beware watch out for jerome dude like don't ever forget it man like they are for like you know it's one of those things like women get blamed for this all the time for being gold diggers for living off people or whatever. This is like on another planet and this is just a, you know, it's a hundred percent. You know what the, the gold digger of it all though is like that there is a somehow like this implicit contract between like a sugar baby or a rich, a rich older man who has like a young, attractive wife. Like there, there, like we all know that there is a, an unspoken contract being undertaken in that circumstance. Right. The thing that I find really insidious is when I hear these stories of men doing it to women, like it ain't that these are like average working women who get taken for a ride. Like that's why the tender swindler was so fucked. Like I think men's rights activists would argue that like he was 
you know, by pretending to be really, really wealthy and luring them in, like, you know, they were getting theirs because they thought that they were dealing with a rich man. But like, it's not just the money of it all. It's like the safety, the security, the companionship, like the feeling like sort of thrilled and excited by dating this person who is like a sort of international man of mystery, like all of that shit. But yeah, every yeah. time I read it, when it's kind of happening to women, it feels so much darker because there isn't this like, tacit understanding of the contract you're undertaking if you're like a young Mm -hmm. woman you know yep absolutely absolutely it's just a different mm, different kettle of fish a different yes wow this was a a thrill to learn about thank you for doing like telling that story so brilliant it was like a nice little storytelling hour i know you like that sometimes so you just help you just tell me a story i know you enjoy it yeah, I like oh, I love to you. be told a story. I know. I, I like put me in the circle in the classroom anytime. And I, I, I want to hear more stories. So, Tiff, how much, if any, of this Taylor Lorenz interview did you see with – she sat down with the woman from Libs of TikTok? Um, I watched about 20, 25 minutes of it. What did you think? It was one of the more infuriating watches I mean, just because this woman from Lips of TikTok is astonishingly <sighs> vacant. She's unremarkable. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to contextualize something. She reminds me a lot of Pearl. Mm, I was getting Pearl. Here's the thing. I fear she might have made Pearl look articulate. It was the thing where it's like you can't really debate with Pearl like as much as like she'll sit there and say things, but she's not capable of a debate of any kind. And like this, like this girl didn't even show up. I mean, if she if this was her full deck of cards that she works with, she's in a lot of trouble, honey. Yeah, it was it was painful. I thought Taylor did a wonderful job. And of course, it is couched like an interview, not a debate. And so like it's uh which I think is actually was like super smart because this is a person who is really unable to ha- like have any real conviction behind some of the things that they're saying. It's very yeah, but so what are you? What uh, yeah, I am. So what are you? Like it's really childlike. It's like a It's so childlike. And like, yeah, keep going. It's just it's just like a stroppy teenager who's been caught in the act being kind of brought into a teacher's office to be asked questions. Like it has that vibe to it. It's classic like minimizing. Mm-hmm. And then when Taylor continues to probe with like, honestly, I'm going to be real with you. Taylor was taking it easy. She was tossing her softballs. Like, I feel like Taylor knew that she wasn't. I think Taylor knew that this, that this woman really didn't have anything impressive about her. Right. And she didn't want to make it seem like she was bullying. And she also wanted to come across as fair. So she was asking really direct questions. And then, you know, she'd get sort of like a non-answer or like a yes, I believe that. Like a very firm yes, I believe that. And Taylor would probe slightly just pointing out that there's inconsistencies about the way she talks about herself or other people and like how she feels when the situation is turned on her. Mm. So she considers herself to an extent to be a private citizen 
even though she's this media hub now, she felt like when Taylor outed her identity that that was a huge violation. Meanwhile, she will take some like gay English teacher in Michigan or something and be like, you know, she'll blow it up and mm-hmm. she'll be like, this guy touches kids mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it, she just she can she can't find that connection naturally. This this was one of my favorites though, Tiff. They're talking about they're talking about like how she feels about freedom of speech because mm-hmm. libs of TikTok obviously heavily relies on freedom of speech. And Taylor brilliantly, a few questions later, brilliantly swings over to the topic of banning books mm-hmm. and how she wants to ban books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she she can barely make it out alive on that one. The first thing she goes to is that she doesn't want to ban books like really outside of anything that is educational about gender, you know, gender or sexuality or anything like that from libraries, from classrooms, whatever. And she goes, you know, then segues into this whole thing about how it's really like what's coming up in sex education. That's a problem for her. Mm. And she's insistent that it's so far beyond what anyone could imagine, right? It's like, you know, people, it's not just, you know, diagrams and, you know, kind of open conversations anymore. Now it's this like heavy agenda being pushed and it's inappropriate and it's sexualizing children. And Taylor's like, well, can you provide me with like examples of that or whatever? And she's looking on her phone. She's trying to find something. She doesn't, she doesn't find anything for a while. So Taylor sort of continues with another, with more questions. And in the middle of Taylor asking her about something completely else, she holds up her phone and goes, look, that's a blowjob. And I, I'm guessing that this is like a – I'm guessing that it was like a, like a sketch or a diagram or it's something that she's claiming was used as educational material. And Taylor like looks at it and she's like – Okay, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> segue back to a different question. But when you say it's like arguing with a teenager, it really is. Like the things that she goes to are so – it's just like, okay, that's bullshit. And to give that any airtime, if Taylor were to give that any airtime, that is – you know, she just handled it really well. Oh, yeah. Really, really well. I, I It was um, – what I say it was the most like – an, like infuriating piece of media I think I've consumed in a long while. I, I mean, I'm just like, that is not in any way as a slight to Taylor. Like if I had been in Taylor's position, I feel I would have like reached across the table just to kind of like shake this girl because the responses were so deeply infuriating, just off topic, off base, like couldn't follow a thread, couldn't fo- like, couldn't answer anything directly easily. It was like having a conversation with, yeah, with, with a with a person who was not uh, not entirely there in body mind and spirit and I think Taylor did a wonderful job of essentially gentle parenting her like it was like an hour of gentle parenting is what it felt like that is what it felt like it's it's rough it's a rough peek into who's behind the curtain there but like she just also 
she feels like a puppet to me. Oh the my same God. way that like Pearl does, where it's like she might just be a convenient face for what it started out as, but like she is not running this alone at all. Like this is, I mean, Elon Musk is says that Libs of TikTok is one of the most important accounts on all of it. Sorry, one of the most important X accounts on the whole app because of, you know, he's works closely with this woman to protect her spot on X. So yeah, it's uh just it's crazy. It's just crazy. It's bizarre. And she tweets constantly. Like mm-hmm. I'm just going through her page right now. And I did just throw her a follow, guys. That's just for research purposes. I do not, I deplore this woman. But she tweets, like, has to be like 100 tweets a day. She also says to Taylor at one point, like, you should be in the creator fund on, on Twitter. Like, you should be monetized. Like, did, were you mad when Elon took your blue check away? She was like, no. <laughs> like, that was her... That's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's just like it would literally be like if like a 15 year old came up to me and tried to school me and was like, oh, yeah, with your like skinny jeans or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, like I fuck you. Like Mm -hmm. this this doesn't affect me. It's just like so it's yeah, she's just so sad. It's really sad, like especially given that she is. I think Taylor mentions at one point this is a Jewish woman. Mm-hmm. And asks her a question about the great replacement theory and like how it sits with her to have people in her replies that are, you know, saying really incendiary things uh, about minorities and like how does that sit with her as a Jewish woman? And she immediately deflects and is like, Well, how do you feel about people telling me to die in like your replies and that they want to kill me? Like, do you answer for that? And Taylor's like, no, of course. Like, yeah, that's like terrible. I don't want anyone to like be murdered. And then she's like, yeah. So like, what do you think about that? And she's like, I don't want you, I don't want you to be killed. Like, what do you think about Meanwhile, the great- Meanwhile, yeah. so much violence has come directly from yes! this account. Yes. Inspired like school shootings. Like there was a non-binary teen. I don't know the full story. Next Benedict, I think their name is. And Mm -hmm. they were put on blast by libs of TikTok after being jumped or something. Like This is another thing that's being tied heavily to all of this, that whole situation. Like There's things going on in real time about it. But also, uh, she was the one who spread that the Uvalde shooter was trans. Yeah. That's dangerous shit. Yeah, well, that's the new thing is because, like, unfortunately, I believe there were two incidences out of the, I think it was, like, 57 shootings or something have already happened this year in America. So, and it's February. So. Fucking hell. Yeah. So, I mean, I might might be wrong on that number. And please, uh, you know, I apologize. But when I read it, I didn't think that that seemed off. Mm Mm-mm. But yeah, so I yeah, I just I don't know how she lives with herself. She must be making a lot of good money from someone. But did you know? So there's like that little clip in the moment and the beginning where she 
mentions that she had just parted ways with one of her business partners and she wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then another thing I saw is that apparently her husband left her when he realized how conspiratorial and right-wing she was. Oh, shit. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know that. The business partner thing was really odd. It was so cagey. Like, it, it's like, I mean, I get that it's the start of the interview. There's already history between them. And so, like, she is naturally very defensive. But it's she's so defensive that it's like, it's borderline unwatchable for the first minute or so because it's just like, it's like speaking to a brick wall. You're just not getting any. There's like no... She's wearing sunglasses as well, I think. Um, I can't really get a read on her. I want to put a clip from one of my favorite pieces of comedy ever, which was a sketch show called Jam that's like really old. It started out as a radio show. And it's a sketch called Thick People. And it's about a service where you can send like a really stupid person to do your admin for you because they're really impossible to argue with because they're infuriating to argue with. And I think the example they use is like someone who's had their car clamped and towed and they send in a stupid person to get the car back and they they end up just giving the car back to this woman because she's so infuriating to speak to. It has has the same energy. (laughs) Like not to be like just mean for the sake of being mean, but like it's, it is not like in some ways it's very unsatisfying as an interview, not because of Taylor, but because it's like, you really can't get particularly deep. She's so defensive and God knows how much of her position she actually believes, you know, with Pearl, at least like, I don't know, there's some, there's, there's something fascinating about Pearl that I don't feel about this, this young woman. Well, Pearl just, yeah, I don't know that Pearl buys into her own shit. And also Pearl seems like really broken by the system and like she believes this stuff for some other reason with this woman you just don't think there's anything going on but brain rot Mm -hmm. like at least there's some sort of pathology you can follow with pearl okay so here's the jam thick people thing are we watching the whole thing no i think we could probably watch like the first minute and you'd get the you get the vibe of it okay um it's a niche business we specialize in uh, providing thick people for jobs that they're particularly good at Um, arguments thick people are very good at winning arguments because they're too thick to realize that they've lost Um, Rowena's uh, particularly thick she's one of our top earners She's very good with officials. She fails to grasp anything, least of all that she's being thick. So it's not your car then, then? No, I'm picking it up for Mr Hunter. I'm not Mr Hunter. OK. Fill that form in for me. And that'll be £165, please. You kind of get the gist. (laughs) (laughs) sorry this is so good it's this is a fake documentary yeah this feels so real and like is a good job (laughs) like there's a lot of people that would be excellent at this (laughs) i'm just saying 
That's hilarious. And yes, that feels very right. That feels very right. Like, you know, I think once the money starts coming in, Mm -hmm. it's you can't help but commit as much as you and your thick skull can. Uh huh. I also love the like the thing of like the best thing about like sending like thick people in to have arguments is that they don't realize that they're not winning the argument. So they just like keep going. (laughs) That's the thing. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Like you'll, I, I experienced that on Twitter quite a bit where like someone will like you very kind of like quickly realize that like you're engaging with a stupid person Mm -hmm. and like, or like they have some sort of complex or some sort of issue and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Like I got a piece out of, I got to come piece out of this. Mm -hmm. This is too much, Mm -hmm. too much baby. Okay. Wait. So can we talk about Wendy Williams? Oh my God. Yeah. Let's talk about Wendy. Oof. So you haven't seen it yet, but she does this uh, I Am Wendy Williams. I don't know if it's going to be two parts or how many it's going to be, but it's Wendy is in the throes of alcohol-induced dementia and aphasia. And that was that diagnosis was revealed this week. And it's interesting. There was an episode of for Emily Rose, her It's Become a Whole Thing. She came, uh, we did an episode together, but unfortunately the files got lost. But we were talking about this when the previews came out. Like, is it ethical to have done a show like this with Wendy Williams? And before, I mean, I really understood what it was. My impulse was like, I don't know if she has to finish this deal with Lifetime because she did have a deal with them when she did her movies. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is like a third part that was a part of that deal or something. But it's very clear she's not well. And there are moments where she's having good moments, you know, but basically she's in this conservatorship and she's convinced that her son, Kevin Jr., is basically like out to get her. And so she's putting everything into this conservator who also says that he's doing the best he can for her. Like the thing with the Wells Fargo freezing her assets thing is because they were, they got the sense that maybe someone was influencing the amount of money she spends, Mm. meaning her son or something like that. But her son was like, you don't understand. Like she's Wendy Williams. This is how she's always spent money. Like, I don't think I abused her, you know, but like also when you have dementia, you know, you're more likely to make really impulsive decisions. And so, you know, like, so maybe she was really spending a lot of money. I don't know. But like, it's, uh, this whole thing is just so sad and it feels like something we shouldn't be watching, but it feels like there's all these different people from different areas of her life where, you know, you can kind of see their side. Like one of the things that her son's friend said was that, or maybe it was his cousin, that like they'd been doing everything they could to look after Wendy. But when she went into court, the first thing she said was that she wanted a drink and a Whopper. And like they were the ones that were taking away her rights to have drinks and Whoppers. Mm-hmm. So like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wasn't there, so, um, was there some legal stuff about this documentary not airing as well? I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I mean, hopefully. I don't know by who. I mean, like, I'm surprised Lifetime Legal was willing to do it. It's very Dr. Phil, if I'm going to be honest. Okay. 
But yeah, so the first clip is Wendy's dementia showing up in, in her verbally abusing her assistant. And there's just so you get the setup of it. The clips are in the show notes if you want to check them out. But the first one, it's like sort of her trying to help her with her day-to-day tasks. But then there's a moment in the closet as well. And Wendy becomes very snappy with her in the closet. So it's sort of cut. Those scenes are sort of cut together. Here is that clip. I wish you would get liposuction. <laughs> okay. What the f- brand is this? Ugg. Ugg? Yeah. Put it in the same position, please. Close it all the way. Dumbass. No. Go downstairs, please, and okay. order something and make you fatter. Okay. All right. See you in a sec. Oof. I know. And like that is an unfortunate side effect of dementia. And knowing that like what Wendy personally has been through with her own what she's put herself through with her own body and like her sort of sickness is that this it makes total sense that this is how she would harass her assistant. And it's all just her not being there and it's all influenced with her, you know, like, and it's, she's not, she's pretty much, pretty much not really at all. Well, Mm -hmm. like there's a, when they, a moment when they go back to her hometown or childhood home and she doesn't really like know, she doesn't even have that sort of memory of that and she her street that she grew up on is has been renamed wendy williams drive and she like knows that but she doesn't know that and and you just you know there's a moment where she's clearly very confused she's sitting on the steps of her childhood home and she starts crying but then just like a moment later the guy who's with her i think her conservator who's your friend says something sweet to her and she sort of really tears up and gets very like, you know, sort of like happy in a very childlike way and is smiling. And it's just, it's that it's the beast of that disease. It's mm-hmm. just so such a cruel disease. So fucking cruel. And she also, she does have some, she definitely has memories about Kevin who is the person I who I believe broke her, her ex-husband. And she, there's a tweet right here from someone who wrote, I think what breaks my heart even more about Wendy Williams being diagnosed with dementia is that even though she's lost her memory, she still remembers the trauma of what happened to her in her marriage, especially in this clip. So this is just a minute long clip where she's mentioning her, well, you'll hear. Recently been changing my life we last spoke, you've always been, like, honest with me and, like, put me in my place. Yeah. You know what I mean? In, like, the most motherly, kind way. That's why I love you so much. Because even when I was going through my darkest times, like, you never used that against me. You know what I mean? And that's how you know that the love is, like, genuine. And it's yeah. always going to be there. You know? And I'm always being for you, like, straight up. You can call my phone whenever. I'm so serious. And I think I'm going to be back and forth from New York, so I'm going to be coming to see you more. Well, my real name is Wendy Hunter. Hunter. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm divorced. Yes. He's got no money. Yeah. 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 I love you. So do I. heartbreaking it's heartbreaking girl part of me is that black china yes okay that's what i thought yeah it's very this is very sad and then like of course you can see like you know she's clearly mourning the loss of her friend to her face Mm. and wendy looks so happy at the end Yeah, mourning the loss of a friend to her face is correct. There's like a a sort of moment, I think, where China, uh, it's when China basically goes in for a hug where I think she has this like moment of realization of like what's what's sitting across from her, basically. That's absolutely devastating. Like it kind of like floors her. She's not, not able to really speak that's when she just starts going yeah yeah like her whole like kind of demeanor and tone changes it's it's just oh it's just so sad i mean i will say it was a great moment when black china said i love you and she said so do i (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like you know i mean this is i just of course i'm gonna watch it i'm a trash person who consumes media like this. But I, yeah, I just, uh, it's sad. It's really fucking sad. And I do feel like there's a little bit of exploitation here. Mm, That is the challenging thing. Yeah. So I don't know. God bless Wendy Williams, you know? Yeah. Can we talk really quickly about this pocket FM game trailer I found? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so I found a 22-minute game trailer on TikTok the other night, okay? And I just want to play this for you because, okay, you, like, know you're watching an ad, okay? And you're like, I I feel like I just want to see where this is going. They get you right away. But it's not until you're watching and watching and watching that you realize that this is a full standard 22-episode or 22-minute episode of television. Like, it's crazy. So I'm going to play. I uploaded it to X just because I, one, I just needed people to see it. But I'm I'm going to use that one just because um, in TikTok, it can be hard to watch a video that long and not really if you don't have the app. Mm. So just an option. But let's just play the first, like, minute and 30 seconds, then we'll play the last minute Okay. at the end. So wait, really quickly before we start. This it's it's sort of in the style of what would you call this animation? Shit. It's like yeah, it's a little like like Sims esque or something, but it's that classic style thing where it's like oh, pop the pimple or whatever. Like you're looking at, I don't know how to describe it. 
Yeah, it's Kim Kardashian Hollywood. It's very Kim Kardashian Hollywood. There's not like a huge amount of animation, right? Like the people have very limited movements or are like static in some way. Like it's um there's narration, but it isn't like there isn't a lot of complex movement happening. And you're following the story of a young woman who's in sort of the underdog role. And I'm, I believe the point of the game is to get her out of this situation and enjoying the storytelling along. But let's just uh, start here. She was that fat and ugly girl no guy wanted to be seen with. Her fiance hated her. Her father pretended she didn't exist. And that horrible day, fate dealt her the worst card of all. I have never slept with anyone, never even kissed a boy. How could I be pregnant? The reports are clear, Laura. You're pregnant. But how can this be? You're well into your pregnancy. I think you didn't realize you're pregnant because you're already overweight. I was only 19 years old and engaged to be married. But I had never been intimate with a man. I am Nora Smith. And this is my story. I returned home in a daze. My father was furious. He gave me a stern lecture, after which he searched the surveillance cameras for evidence. But all that he found was that four months ago, I had indeed stayed home for a couple of weeks. I did not go out at all. I wasn't feeling well. I knew my stepmother would hate me and the outsiders would mock me and my family. Her belly's already so big and she's making excuses saying she didn't run off with some man. Granny Gray being engaged to someone like you. I feel bad for him and his family. So she feels bad for him and his family. I mean, this is so dramatic. It's and mean. It's so mean. It's so mean. Like, who would enjoy this game? <laughs> also, like, from what I can see, Nora is an attractive white blonde woman with green eyes who's mid-sized, who lives in a very big, beautiful house. <laughs> She's from quite a bit of money. But also, her fiancé hates her, and her dad fucking hates her. <laughs> But also, she's like, I mean, is she 19, she said? Yeah. I mean, why, yeah, I guess, I mean, maybe in their society, they expect her to be engaged. No, you're right. You're right. Um, what's the last minute from 21 onwards? Yeah, let's do about that. I just want to, I want you to hear that there's not a lot of satisfaction. Okay. In where this goes. Okay. Tina, you're in trouble. I want you to send him a message for me. Mr. Hunt, Solo has a message for you from Dr. Athena. What is it? Mr. Hunt, are you rushing to find me because you need brain surgery? Show me the photo.
brain surgery? Yeah, he, like, her boyfriend. I mean, there's everything in this game. Like, there's everything. But I have to wonder, after a 22-minute ad, how much of the story is this? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, a 22-minute ad is crazy. I don't, I don't know why somebody made that decision. <laughs> well, I think, honestly, I mean, all of the comments were like, why am I still here watching this? And, like, people being like, you know, uh, I'm a mom. I don't even let my kids play games. Like, I don't understand why I'm still here watching this. Like, because they, it's very gripping. Mm. Mm-hmm. I got lost in the first like 10 minutes of it before I realized what was going on. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch the whole thing. Someone said the baby has an accent and I'm trying to figure out where it's from. Yeah. I mean, we need to know. Guys, watch the whole thing. It's like really and I want to know if you wind up playing the if you wind up playing the game what happens. If you think it's worth it. I feel like it's going to be a lot of in-app purchases. <laughs> You're going to have to wait 24 hours for the baby to grow or whatever. <laughs> so, okay, like last little thing I do want to throw on so pooky at the end because I need to get Stan Twitter activated and I need to know what this means. But did you read the whole Tom Sandoval, how he became the most hated man in America piece that was in New York Times? I put a gift article in the show notes for everyone. So this one's on me, baby. (laughs) Yeah. So did you read that? No, I haven't read it yet. But I tell you, because I think I'm so deep in, I'm in season six of Vanderpump Rules now. I am saving up a bunch of stuff to enjoy when I you know, experience Scandaval for the first time. So yeah, I, I think like I'm I'm automatically, even though I know what happens, I'm like trying to avoid anything that takes me any deeper. Like I want to, I, I almost want it to be f- sort of fresh, even though I, I'm, I'm watching like a ferry boat crash in slow motion, basically. Okay. I feel you. Okay. So, well, thankfully this doesn't really have to truly expose too much of what happened during Scandaval, except to say... The Tom Sandoval, in a new piece that he did for the New York Times, he had his 23-year-old crisis, crisis PR person who with him during this article, and he starts it off by saying, like, yeah, it's been a tough year for me. You know, I feel like I've gotten more hate than Danny Masterson, who's a convicted rapist, and, like... Yikes. And the interviewer says, like, at first I was worried that Riley's presence would be a deterrent. But then I realized that, like, you know, after the Danny Masterson thing, I was basically in the clear. (laughs) And so they kind of continue on with him. It all happens pretty quickly. Like, it sounds like this really was maybe a total of 30 minutes they spent together. Because Tom seemed short, you know, like, he noticed the interviewer had their recorder out and was like, are you going to, like, record this? Do you want to record this stuff? And, like... The reporter's kind of standing there like, oh, I didn't realize that every moment of our interaction was going to be something that he was trying to get in quotes. So (sighs) he goes on to compare this situation to, in terms of Scandaval, the coverage of it, to be similar to the coverage for OJ and George Floyd. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 
The exact quote, let me see. So he says, the writer says, I asked Sandoval why he thought the scandal got so big. I'm not a pop culture historian, really, he said, but I witnessed the OJ, the OJ Simpson thing and the George Floyd and all of these big things, which is really weird to compare this to that, I think. But do you think in a weird way it's a little bit the same? <laughs> uh, it's not, Tom, but okay. So, like, it does feel as if he's comparing in some ways himself to... I would guess George Floyd or OJ or whatever to like, I don't know. I mean, OJ is invoked frequently, but to compare what happened during Scandival to the summer of 2020 <laughs> in America is nuts. That's bananas. Like, yes. Like they mentioned it on CNN. Like that was, but that was the thing that people were marveling at was like, it was, it was just that it had made some mainstream news. But truthfully, Scandaval, yeah, and like they made fun of it at the White House Correspondence Center. But like, that's not, it's not the same. Like, there was no, no one was protesting Scandaval. Like, if to even imagine that you would see it from that angle is. <laughs> Like, people were just calling him, like, a horny loser and, like, <laughs> being like he's a fucking, like, he fucked up so bad. He's a bad person. He's a narcissist. Like, that literally does not demand, in any capacity, does it demand similar coverage to either of the things that were mentioned. But, like, it was just never that serious. And I think it's, like, almost as if he missed the tone of it all. Mm. And so George Floyd's daughter's mother called Scandaval. Uh, he said this uh, comparison was stupid. So this is in TMZ, and it says Roxy Washington, who shares 10-year-old Gianna with George, tells TMZ that she's not super familiar with Vanderpump Rules and doesn't even know who Tom Sandoval is. She does say that he has to be off his rocker to compare his own personal issues to Floyd's death. And so basically... Roxy goes on to say that Tom's a grown-ass man who's just gone through a breakup, not a child like her daughter whose dad isn't coming home. And she says that Tom needs to go repeat that dumb shit in a mirror, telling us his comment reflects horrible things Gianna hears from some classmates. She also says this is on the same level of absurdity as the comments Kanye West made in the past. So, yeah, she's kind of comparing Tom to that. So, yeah, it's... um. It's bad. Like I, you know, I'm I'm gonna say it. People don't people don't see this. I see it. I really think that he could get fired for this. Oh, interesting. I do. I think it could be a wrap because they go on to say into the the article that like Bravo and Evolution and NBC Universal were all sort of reaching out to this reporter to be like, Tom probably well, first, his Riley, the assistant, said like Tom was done after 30 minutes. He went upstairs and he never came back down. But then NBC Universal found out about the the comments and they were like basically like, so like, is there anything we can do to maybe make it so that you don't air that stuff or like what was exactly was said? And they weren't allowed to meet again with Tom. They floated the idea of using another cast member for the interview instead. But then, yeah, next time the writer came back, 
which they barely were. They were invited to be there for like a confessionals sort of interview. And both Bravo and NBC Universal had execs there. Oh. Not in front of the boss. Yeah. So it was like they it, I mean, the implication was that Tom had really never, if ever, really met this this executive at NBC Universal, which means that like they're handling this very carefully. Oh wow, yeah. And he apologized with like a start, like a, I'm really sorry, I'm embarrassed. This is like inappropriate comparison. He did that on his IG, but who knows? I mean, this is just it's bad. He looks like a moron. <sighs> I assume that he thought that this was going to be his um, part of his redemption arc as well, which is, I mean, unfortunate that it's ended up digging him deeper. Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, fuck Tom Sandoval. Uh, He's a loser. So then, one last thing I just want to add in is that I was talking to Captain Scoot, my friend last night, who I do the Pretty Little Liars recaps with, and she and I are both really obsessed with how hot Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are together. Like, it's kind of like hot. Like, you know, I don't know what it is. And she said to me, like, what's up with everyone calling Taylor Pookie? Like, what does that mean? And I was racking my brain and I was like, I don't think she has an association with the nickname Pookie. And I looked up so Pookie in quotes on Twitter. And it seems like every fandom is I think it's so baby girl, mm-hmm. but like the new one is so pooky. Got it. I prefer baby girl, but okay. I don't like pooky. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I don't mean, and it's uh, here's the one about Taylor Swift that came up first that just like actually sent me to hell. It said, Why is Taylor doing normal people things so adorable to me? Like she's just a human being after all. So why does it why does her going to the zoo or like washing the dishes or making a sandwich immediately have me going Pookie Bear L O M L yeah love my life two apples tall I hate it actually I think I do too I, I think I hate it It feels like Tumblr speak It does yeah so yeah. pooky Yeah but you know Tiffany you are so pooky to me you know <laughs> different way all you guys listening are so pooky to me thank you for being here thank you for being here we're gonna go do our after show where lately we've just been last couple episodes have just been moving over stuff that we really liked but didn't have time for so please head over to the afters and you know we get a little crazy over there so thank you so much for listening thanks guys love you bye love you bye That look like a Delta G Every girl in here 10 But it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money But it ain't no guarantee Delta G's on the left Delta G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013 Shawty do it for the vine Shawty moving real well I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the ceiling Now watch it hit the floor Now rack it up Rack, rack, rack it up King, bag it up Back, back, bag it up King, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin Best believe that she on the Thought way. Thought she was important, but I moved her right about the I way. Delta G 
cheese tonight. Told the baby I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC. Low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Like the tell Shout out TurboTax, tax refund. What's another? Back to quarterback at recess. No rush. You gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT. White shirt orange like a pump. Mama call me, ask me how college is. And I said, bust. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.